looks like the rain and a little bit of the um, springing forward has affected our group. So all that means is everybody has a job. Ready? You got to be twice as loud up in here this next few minutes. So I need, I need, I need to hear you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like audience participation. You guys know that. And, um, but no, um, and, and I want to I wanna give um, kind of a, a, a Daylight Savings Award today to Simone, the lady that plays the piano today. Um, she was so worried yesterday that she was going to get it wrong that she was able to set everything the way it was supposed to be, but forgets, you know, that everything digitally now just kind of changes on its own. And while she was coming to church, she realized she was here an hour before. And what time does the band have to get here on Sunday mornings? Seven. So this young woman's been here since 6 a.m. Give it up for you. So you win. I don't know. Somebody, Stephanie, give her something. I don't know what kind of award we can give her, but um, a new clock or something. But. <laughs> so we started this new series last week, and, and um, man, I, I absolutely, last week, that, for me, it was just um, one of the highlights of my, my ministry. I don't know why. Last week, that sermon just, for me, because I needed grace. How many, how many needs grace in here? And so if you missed last week's sermon, please go back and listen to that podcast. I, I'm just being honest with you. I don't listen to my sermons very often, but when I do, I listen to them multiple times. <laughs> and I listened to myself preach like two times last week. I blessed my socks off. <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, "That's preach, Ross, preach. That's good preaching. And I uh, mean, I just needed it. I needed grace. And so the Lord is um, extending his grace to me and it allows me to extend grace to others. We need in that flow. And with this series... <coughs> I'm going to be coughing a little bit today. Been traveling a lot lately with um with church planting and such, and so I just I've caught something somewhere. I don't know where, but I've caught something. But um with this series, we're looking at those things in life, like that race car. It had different elements that when it all comes together and it all works, it causes something to be very dynamic. And I believe that Jesus wants the people that serve him, those who call him Lord and Master, to be able to have dynamic lives. And I believe that when they collectively come together in a house like this, and we call that the church, right? Individually, we're church, but together, we're the church of the Lord. And when we collectively come together, there ought to be something dynamic about it. And I believe that if we can embrace three areas when it comes to our faith and really understand them for ourselves... And what it looks like to flow in those things and to minister out of those things in people's lives, I think it will cause the church to be exactly what Jesus desires for us to be, a dynamic group, a dynamic people, a dynamic um, um, organization. And I don't know if you heard that, that beeped. And so I have got to turn off the dynamic quality of airplane mode. Cut this from the video and the podcast immediately. I usually do a pretty good job of that. I forgot to do that today. So when it comes down to it, I told you last week that there are three areas that we need to embrace, and it's the areas of power, grace, and truth. And those three elements, we're kind of mixing up the order as we look at them, but those three elements God wants us to hold on to. I told you the power is like that engine that God has placed in us. Who cares how good everything looks if we have no power? Amen? Everybody shout power. Yeah, it doesn't matter how fancy we are. It doesn't matter how good our songs are and how good the preaching is. There's no moving of the Holy Spirit. There's no touch of God. Something of the divine, if it's not present, then it's just empty. Amen? There's no reason to have power, though, and be rude. Amen? You know, well, I mean, I have the power of the Lord. We'll talk about this next week when we talk about the Holy Spirit and power. You know, we've got to be able to move in grace as well. And I told you last week, that's the chassis that holds everything together in the vehicle. 
And then finally, today, we're going to be looking at the idea of truth. And that's those wheels that everything kind of turns on. And I got to thinking about my first car. How many in this room, at some point in your life, you owned a hoopty? Anybody own a hoopty? How many knows what a hoopty is? Really? You don't know what a hoopty is? You've never heard that term. Man, that's what we called them. We called them a hoopty. A hoopty is kind of like a played out old vehicle, you know, that it's something for you because it's yours. But it's kind of a hoopty. And, um, and I had a, a 1981 Datsun 310. Looked like an Easter egg. It did. And because it had a hatchback and two doors, it was a coupe. And it caused my insurance literally in 1988 to be like $120 a month because it was a sports car. But nobody notified the engine that it was. It didn't know it was a sports car. It could not go fast at all because it was a hoopty, you know. And when it came to that car, <coughs> to be honest, my power had a little skip to it. You know, the engine never was quite right. It really did. It just kind of, <coughs> it, was, it was, I didn't need a base subwoofer. I just had my engine. It gave me all the bump I needed, you know. When it came down to it, my, my truth was a little threat to the hillbilly boys. Man, I was always buying retreads. I was always just keeping up with it. Going down to the, to the hillbilly boys down in Little Kentucky, part of my town, and buying my little tread. I mean, I can get them for like 15 bucks, you know. And I'd get my little tires, and, um, and I'd run them until they were even more threadbare. <laughs> and so my truth was threadbare. And to be honest, one day I was going down the road, and, and next thing you know, my grace cracked in half. Flat up, just cracked in half. The front chassis, the front frame of that vehicle went snap. And when it did, my power went into the dirt, like down low. And it caused me to kind of like, it was not a good experience, you know. The blessing I had was I was like about 200 yards from my dad's friend who owned a car dealership. And I walked there. Hey, Mr. Ray, I need to buy a new car. Did, did you walk here? <laughs> Kind of, yeah, halfway. <laughs> and so they dragged my car up there. And he actually gave me, I think, 300 bucks trade-in with that car. And I bought another car. But, but it was just one of those things where <clears throat> it was a hoopty. And I really think a lot of times the church, if we're not careful, we're satisfied being hoopties. We're satisfied walking with a little grace. We're satisfied walking with a little power. We're satisfied walking with a little truth. You know, but God doesn't want that. He wants us to embrace his grace, embrace his power, embrace his truth. You know, he's looking for some Bugatti believers up in here, up in here. I like that. That was, that's not in the notes. I'm going to write that down. Bugatti, Bugatti believers. I like that. That just rolls. That's like something Pastor Brantley would say. Bugatti, Bugatti, Bugatti believers. He cracks me up how he can do that. That was him rapping on that. That was not sped up, y'all. Can I tell you something about that? That was seven words a second. Eminem can only do five a second. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> but I said it, so we'll just say it's true. <laughs> Our executive pastor is a better rapper than Eminem. That's what I'm saying. So, so last week, we started seeing how God's always looking for these kinds of people. He's always looking for those he can use. And in that book of Acts, we saw that he picked seven men that were full of the Holy Spirit, good reputation. It said they were full of wisdom. That's truth. They were full of power. That's anointing. They were full of the, all the grace. I mean, we saw that in Scripture. And I told you last week, he's not stopped looking for those kinds of people. He hasn't stopped using those kinds of people, you know? 
And so we need to be a people that embrace the power of God. We need to be a people that walk in his grace, but also we need to be a people that will embrace truth. Shout truth. Now, I'm going to be honest. I changed my sermon at 3 o'clock this morning. I'm serious. I woke up in the middle of the night. My sermon today was going to be about the practicality of truth and about basically making a case for truth. And I got to thinking, you know what? For those that are in the room today that need a case for truth, man, I'll preach that another day. But I want to challenge us to live truth today. In the middle of the night, the Lord just woke me up, and I just started writing notes from 3 to 4 in the morning. just changed everything because I just feel like God's wanting his people to hear that it's time for us to live his truth, to live his word. Not to just understand it conceptually and say, yeah, I recognize that's the word of God, and I recognize that stacking it up against different philosophies of man, that it is the way, and Jesus is the truth, and he's the life. And I recognize theoretically that this right here is God's word and probably a good thing to live out. No, no, no. I want us to challenge, challenge today in the thought that, man, this is God's word. This is the wheels, y'all. This is the wheels. This is it. This is what keeps us on the pavement. This is what keeps us moving forward. This word is a light to our path. This is what keeps us moving down the track, if you will. And if we lose that, listen, we lose everything. Amen? So today we're talking about the wheels that we roll on. And that's this, that's the word of God, the thing in our Christian faith that we rely on to help us move down the road is the truth of the word of God, amen? And it's full of things that keep us moving down the road, full of things, you know? But none of it's worth it if we don't embrace it. If we don't have anything to move it down the road of our, our faith, down the road, it's useless. And so God gives us his word. That's the wheels that keep us rolling, amen? So let's stand to our feet. We're going to see what the Word of God does in our lives. <clears throat> in 2 Timothy 3, 7, or 3, 10 through 17, it says, But if you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. I love that. You know, God has something that he's moving in, adversity comes, God brings him out of that adversity. In other words, he keeps going down the road, he's not giving up. And it says, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You remember last week I said that God doesn't need any more actors. Remember that? Paul Newman was a race car driver, but we knew him as an actor. God doesn't need any more actors. That's what this is saying. Not imposters that grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You have known these scriptures all your life. And man, they can bring wisdom to you. They bring direction to you. They guide your steps. They guide your path. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for, for, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Shout complete. complete. Thoroughly equipped. Shout equipped. For every good work. Father, over the next few minutes, would you help us be stirred to not be hearers but doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. As you see this passage of scripture, 
toward the end there. The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. He wants you complete. A vehicle without wheels is not complete. It can't accomplish its mission. You know, I've seen some things overseas when we've done missions trip, and it blows my mind, you know, a car with three wheels and a guy holding a stick in the other hub, and they're walking the car, and just crazy stuff. But you can't get where you need to get to at the rate God wants you to get to if you're all hooptied up, if you're all messed up. And so God wants us to embrace his word, and his word does this in our life. It brings four things. It brings doctrine. And so when you look at the scripture, and here's the problem we have. When we look at this, do we look at this as truth? Or do we look at this as suggestions? Do we look at this as truth that we uh, apply our life to? Or do we look at this and say, you know what? I'll read this and I'll see if it applies to my life. Let me flip that back. Do we look at it as something we apply our life to? Or do we look at it and say, okay, let's see what applies to my life. And I like that and I like this and I like that. Oh, I don't like that so much. Surely he didn't mean quite that. Grace, grace, God's grace. And yes, I believe in God's grace, but also in God's, every shout, truth. And so it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine sounds really boring, doesn't it? <clears throat> so what doctrines? You know, are we talking about pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit? Are we talking about soteriology, the study of salvation? Are we talking about ecclesiology, the study of the church? How many know there's a lot of ologies? That's not what I'm saying when I say doctrine, though, okay? What I mean by doctrine is the way to go. It's the foundation for life. It's the, the thing that is set before us. This is the, the, the precept to live by. But pastor, some of those are difficult. I know. That's why till next week we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it is difficult. Without the moving of the Spirit in your life, it's impossible. It's not difficult. It's impossible, right? And so there's that doctrine. Well, when we miss it, what's beautiful is the Word of God also teaches us how to be reproved. So he reproves us. That's where you're reading the scripture, and you're going, ooh, that hurt. Have, has anybody ever read the scripture? You're like, oh, that, that's, surely that's for somebody else. But you're going, I know that's for me. Oh, well, that, you know what that is? That's reproof. It's like, oh, I got reproved. Oh, I got reproved again. Oh, I've been reproved so much, I just won't read it, and I'll let dust collect on it, and I'll go visit Sunday. But I'm not getting in that anymore because it just reproves me. Well, yeah, that would be awful if it only reproved you. It's a horrible parent to tell a kid, go stand in the corner. You've been reproved. Go stand in the corner. Shame on you. That's an awful parent. If that parent never comes back and says, okay, Johnny, let me show you what you did wrong. Let me help you figure out what happened so you don't do this again. Amen? That's called what? Correction. So the third part of the word of God that it's profitable to us for is correction. It comes and shows us where we missed it and how we can get back on track. Amen? Last week, the whole scripture we dealt with was the conclusion of Paul trying to get the Corinthian church back on track. That whole thing. And he was strong with them. <coughs> I'm sure they were adverse to his word, but they were embracing it. And at the end, he just speaks grace over them, power over them, truth over them, and leaves it be. But you can see, man, he was still, he was, the whole thing is just a big book of reproof and correction. In a loving way. And so God's word, it doesn't leave us reproved. It brings us to a place of correction. And the reason why is because there's a goal. The instruction that we need to walk in righteousness. That's the goal. That we can walk. What's righteousness? It's right relationship with God. It's right connection. It's right standing. And, and I'm not saying salvation. We're saved by grace. But I'm talking about moving in all that God has. 
Yeah, yeah, you're saved by grace, but I'm telling you right now, to move in all that God has, he's got to be able to have more of you in submission, more of you in, 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 in relying upon his leading and learning to listen to his voice, putting his word above your thoughts. And that, 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 that's a journey. That takes time, you know. Thank God the track is long. Shorter for some others, you better get things turned around. <laughs> but it's long. It's a lifetime of development and growth. And so I love that passage as a clothing, that the man of God may be complete. It's not that God through his word wants to take one thing from you. Don't you feel that way when you're young? I did. I mean, I can just remember just, Jesus, please don't let the rapture come till I get married. Don't let me go to heaven without experiencing the joy of joy. You're taking all the joy out of my teenage years, my early 20s. Lord, you're killing me down here. No, he's trying to make you complete. Thank God the rapture didn't come. I guarantee you there's young people in this room right now praying for the rapture to come. You know, <laughs> or not to come. So when it comes down to it, this idea of doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, God's word, that's, that's God's word. It is profitable to us to complete us. That's God's truth, and God's truth must be elevated in our lives. It has to be raised up to the highest level of esteem in our lives. Not the, the, the words coming from a friend, not the words coming from deep in your own heart, but God's word has got to be elevated in our lives. You know, God's word is elevated over our feelings and over our emotions. Because our feelings and our emotions will deceive us. God's word in our lives, it needs to be elevated over our opinions or the opinions of others. Well, I know that's what the Bible says, but you know what? I would tell you right now, if you find yourself saying ever, I know that's what the word of God says, but. I'd say get your butt out the way. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, I'm just being honest. It's going to hold you back. That big old butt will hold you. It'll hold you back. I'm just being honest. It will. As soon as you hear that, ah, I know that's what the word says, but. But I have a reason for something else. I have a reason for lesser living. I have a reason to make an excuse. I have a reason because my opinion, I'm raising up above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, no, flip that. The Bible says, no, no, nothing. You raise up the word of God above everything and allow everything else to be a liar. Amen? When it comes to God's word, it must be elevating our lives over our desires even. You know, I just don't feel like that fits me. I just feel, I just feel more like I desire this, I want this. And, you know, God gives me those desires. Well, yeah, if they're reconciled with his word. They're godly desires. If they're not, they are fleshly desires. You know your two parts, right? Or really three parts, mind, body, and spirit. But you know your spirit is so hungry to walk after Christ. But your flesh gets pulled by its desires. It does. Does that mean you're not saved? No. That's why you have this tug of war. That's why you have this battle within. But we've got to realize when I have a desire that rises up against the spirit of God or against the truth of his word, which gets submitted which gets elevated. It's got to be the word of truth every single time. Amen? And here's the problem with this. You have desires and you have opinions and you have emotions and all this. The problem is there are no promises attached to your opinions. 
There's not one single promise attached to my desires. Not one single promise attached to my opinions. Not one single promise attached to my emotions. Not one. But there's a huge promise in Isaiah 55, verse 1, when it, or 11, when it speaks of the word. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There's a promise on the word of God. So when we read something that rubs us a little wrong, it's like, God, help me to submit myself to your truth. Because there's a promise on your truth, amen? Not a promise on my desires, on my wishes, my my will, (coughs) but there's a promise on your word, and your word will never return void. Can I tell you it this way? Most of the problems we have are word problems. You know that? Most of the problems we have are word problems. God has a word, and we have a problem with listening to it. Right? Most of the problems we have are word problems. God has a word, and we have a problem doing it. God has a word, and we have a problem living by it. We need to heed his word in our life. We need to. And if we don't, then what happens is the entropy of this world, because of the root of sin, it begins to consume us with this disease and this decay, robbing us of God's best in every area of our life. You realize this is a dying world, right? We're dying people. The only thing that doesn't return void is the word of God. The word is alive. The word, in a sense, is synonymous with who he is. It is alive. It is truth, and it's alive. And so with it, when we take that word, we're taking hold of life. And when we don't take that word as truth, and we choose to excuse living by it, then we allow ourselves to be succumbed to the natural environment of the entropy of this world. What do you mean by entropy? Entropy, that everything is kind of decaying and falling away and dying and shriveling. If a muscle's not used after a while, it starts to decay and it starts to shrivel, you know? Entropy. And there is just a natural decay in this earth, a natural disease in this earth, that if we're not careful, if we're not moving forward in that thing that is life, then those areas of our life that we do not submit to that word of truth will begin to decay. Why? Because God's cursing you? No, because the earth is cursed. This world has a curse upon it. I'm not saying, God, I'm not going to tell you that that you don't live his word and he's going to get you. No, the world will get you. The earth will get you. The sin-stained globe that we live on, that every part of it groans for the return of our Savior, it will get you. Amen? It's entropy. It'll come. It'll get you. It'll decay you. And so when it comes down to it, we've got to be a people who embrace this living word, this living truth, and we live by it. When I think of a story in Scripture that really lines up to the idea of listening to a word from the Lord, my mind goes back to Naaman. How many's ever heard the story of Naaman? If you haven't, man, this is a really cool one. It's tucked back in the Old Testament, so I get it. If you haven't heard it, I understand it. It was one of my favorite stories as a kid. And I just want to kind of walk through it. In 2 Kings 5, verse 1, it starts. It says, Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, he was a great man with his master in high favor. In other words, in the eyes of his master, he was esteemed well. And because of him, this is the reason why he esteemed him, by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. And he was a mighty man of valor. I mean, there's so much that's going right for Naaman. So much that's incredible in this man's life. He's esteemed by his boss. His wife thinks he's hot. You know, he's just got it going on. He really does. 
man of valor, so other men see him as a man of honor. You know, this guy has it all, but he was a leper. He was a leper. He had something wrong in his body, a disease in his body. Naaman had a leprosy, and that disease, it caused his ability to become, like to feel, to become numb. That disease of leprosy, it caused his ability to sense, to become dull. That idea of leprosy, it made him prone to injury, infection, even if he's not careful, to the loss of starting, to, or to, the, to the, the, the reality of even starting to lose parts of his body, parts of who he was, he could lose to leprosy. How was that so, Ross? Well, leprosy would numb your joints, your fingertips, and your toes to the point you wouldn't realize if you were getting burned. If you got to something that was starting your toe and you not realize it and you wouldn't pull your hand back. You may step on a thorn and an infection starting your toe and you not realize it. And next thing you know, gangrene would set in, you know. The only time cats in the history of the world were good <laughs> were on the streets of Cairo, Egypt. Years back, in Cairo, Egypt, they realized that those lepers that were on the streets that had cats, they kept their digits. They kept their toes. They realized it. Do you know why? Because the cats would run the mice and rats away. Those that didn't have the cats, when they lay there at night, the mice and rats would literally eat away their fingertips, their nose. It wasn't the disease that was eating away. It was the infection and rodents that was taking, ah, oh. so I'm happy for cats in Cairo. That was, it's going to, that's good, good, that's a good use of cat right there. That and buffets, no. No, just kidding. But I want you to listen to this, all right? I want, let me, let me, let me kind of let you hear this a little bit. That's what, that's what happens when we don't listen to the word. When we allow ourselves to go by our emotions and our feelings and our sensations and what we want and what we desire, and we don't become acutely aware of the things of the Spirit, the things of truth, over time we become numb to sin. And I'll actually have people will say, well, Pastor, I don't really feel convicted of that. I don't care. If it's here saying that's something we should strive not to do, you ought to feel convicted of it. And if you don't, guess what? The leprosy has got deep. It's grown so that now you're numb to sin. And next thing you know, if you're not careful, you start losing stuff. Haven't you ever seen somebody you just want to like, you're losing everything. Why can't you find change? You're losing it all. That leprosy has grown so deep. They've grown so numb. And it's taking life away. And not everybody in this room, we're all at different degrees in this, you know. There's things in my life that I'm numb to. There's things in my life that I need to submit to Jesus in and let his word elevate. And so we're all at different spectrums of that. But I just want you to have that mindset, that picture, that if we're not taking the truth seriously, it creates a disease in us that causes us to become numb. And it will take from us to the point that we might start losing stuff. Verse 2, now the Syrians on one of the raids, they carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. They carried off this little Jewish girl, this girl from the land of the word, the land where God spoke, the land where, where, where God led his children, the land where the priests were, the land where the temple was. And they had led her away from that land. And this little girl is working in the service of Naaman's wife. And she says to her mistress, <coughs> Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. 
She has a, this little girl has a little word. And she says, if he could get to the prophet, what's a prophet? It's a man who speaks the word of God. If she could get to the word of God, if she could get to this truth, he would heal her. God would heal our him. God would heal Naaman. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so, and spoke of the girl from the land of Israel. And, and, and basically, she was just a little girl with a little word, but Naaman heeded that word. He believed it. He jumped on that word as truth. And he went and told his, his king, and he gets gold. God's going to heal me. And so the king loves this man. So he gets silver, and he gets gold, and he gets like all these fine threads, all these clothes to sin with him. And when everything comes back to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel sees all this stuff, he thinks, oh my gosh, I'm getting set up. I'm getting set up because there's no way we're going to see this man healed, and then that king is going to use it as pretense to come and attack us. And he thinks he's getting set up. He even says, am I God to kill and make a lie that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he's making a quarrel with me. When it comes down to it, this is the king of Israel, but he didn't have the word of God enough in him to have faith to believe that this man would be touched by God. He's the king of Israel. He should have been thinking to himself, wow, if the prophet's saying it, if they're saying it, I'm believing it too. <coughs> God's going to do a work in this man. But the king had doubt. He had fear. He thought this was a setup. Verse 8. We'll put on the screen, verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. Let him come now to me, that he may know there's somebody dynamic in this city. There's somebody walking in faith. There's somebody walking in truth, power, and grace. There's somebody, that, that, like those seven men of, of good reputation that were called out for a purpose. There's someone, I believe, like the, the few couple hundred people that are in here today. There's somebody like you in the city that they can call on. And he says that. He says that he may know that there's a prophet in Israel. Man, let us be people like this, that, that the world will know that there's a church in Woodstock. Amen? Maybe for you it's a spiritual father in your house or a mama in your house that leans in on Jesus or a college student on the campus that leans in on Jesus. They will know that you believe what this is saying. And so Naaman came with his horses and chariots and he stood at the door of Elisha's house and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. You remember that little word that came from the little servant girl? Naaman had no problem with that little word. That little word he jumped on. And he made decisions based on it. He went and talked to his king because of that little word. That little word he was able to buy into. He, he, he even went to the land where that healing could manifest based on that little word. But listen, here's a bigger word. Go to the Jordan and dip seven times. And Naaman, he choked on the bigger word. That word, that bigger word, it didn't fit Naaman's expectations or his desires. Verse 11, Naaman was angry, and he went away saying, His God, and wait that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. I thought he would do it the way I expected. I thought I want his word to line up with what I want. I came to salvation. I accepted that, and now here's another word of challenge to me. God, just do what I want you to do in my life. Just bless it all. I'm not going to live this word, but just bless me, heal me, touch me, make me new. This bigger word, it didn't fit his desires. He was angry. 
I thought he would come out. I thought he would do it this way. Verse 12, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? I have a better taste for this. I have a better interest in this. I think I like this better. I know what your word says, but this is my desire. This is what I want. This close to his miracle, and he's fighting over heeding the word of God. How many of us in this room were that close to our miracle? We're that close to development. We're that close to being completed in him. We're that close to looking a little more like Jesus, but we're fighting over it because the word doesn't fit our desires. <coughs> so close. It says he turned and he went away in a rage. Could I not wash in these rivers and be clean? In other words, he was saying like this, can I do it my way and still walk in my expectation of healing? Can't I? Can I do it my way and still expect my marriage to be blessed? Can I do it my way and still expect my finances to be blessed? Can I do it my way and still expect that relationship to be healed? Can I do it my way? And I'm telling you, no. Unless your way lines up to the truth. But we line it up to the truth and there's a miracle in the making. There's a miracle just waiting, you know. If you want to walk in God's expectations, you have to walk in God's word. If you want to walk in what his truth, his promise, that, that word will not return void, you have to walk in his way. I love what verse 13, the servants came near and they said to him, My father, it is a great word that a prophet has spoken to you. I'm telling you, Momentum Church, it's a great word that he speaks life over you. It's a difficult word, but it's a great word, and he speaks it over you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? Has he actually said to you, if you will embrace my doctrine, my correction, my, or reproof, my correction, and my instruction in righteousness, you will be complete? Has he not said that? Then why do we look at this as optional? Why do we look at this as something less than truth from above? Life, wheels that keep us going down down the track. <coughs> Wash and be clean. Hasn't he promised to bless you? Often we have no problem with the little truths God asks us to follow him in, but the larger truths are difficult. Why? Because they run up against our opinions, our desires, our emotions, and when they run up against us, we just, we excuse it. And we'll excuse it all sorts of ways. God understands. It's not that big a deal. You know, his grace is sufficient, and it is. Again, this is not a salvation issue, everybody. Amen? You get what I'm saying? It's not a salvation issue. This is being all that God wants you to be issue. Okay? Verse 14, so he went down, and he dipped himself. And I like that. Nobody can do this for you. you got to do it for yourself. Nobody can cause you to live the word. Don't blame your preacher if you're not living the word. Don't blame your pastor if you're not walking in the best God has. Don't blame your church. If you're not walking to the best God has, don't blame your best friend, and don't blame your wife, and don't blame your husband, don't blame your upbringing. I've heard that so many times. Well, I wasn't raised in church. Y'all been saved 15 years, and you still use that as an excuse to not know his word? Really? Really? I mean, I wasn't raised in this. I know, but man, in three years, Jesus made disciples into like a world-changing force, and you've been saved 10 times that. You should at least be a Judas by now, my word. <laughs> oh, that was, that was funny, Lord. 
Let me be your Judas, Jesus. But it says here, he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the word of the man of God. According to that truth. That thing that was spoken over him. He embraced it. And you know what I love about it? He embraced it. And it says he dipped seven times. I know that's what the word was, go dip seven times. But in my mind, I feel like it's just a, a challenge to us to realize that word over us. It doesn't bring efficacy overnight. It's not efficacious. It doesn't bring, it doesn't, it doesn't, sometimes I have no big words and I forget the little ones. It, live in the word, dip in one time. Live in the word, dip in two times, you know, and on and on. And finally on that seventh time, he came up in the promise of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Can I say it this way? He received instruction in righteousness and he was made complete. Tying that New Testament to that Old Testament. He heeded the word and he was made whole. He was complete. And so I'm not going to tell you it's easy to live out the word. He dipped. I bet every time he went down into the water, he came up going, hasn't changed. Should have been in that other river in Damascus. Hasn't changed. Oh, man, is this really real what the prophet said, what the word said? I haven't changed a bit. Is anything ever going to change in my life? But on that seventh time, staying faithful to truth, Faithful to the word that was spoken, and God brought healing in that moment. This is a picture of heeding the word of the Lord. Your word, Jesus, says this, but I want to do that, you know? Your word says this, and, and I, I want to do something less than this. But I would challenge you today as I challenge myself, Jesus, let me be a doer of your word. A doer of truth. A doer of what you say. Why? Because this right here, this holds truth and the path for life. And we're told in John 8, 32, that when it comes to truth, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's his truth that brings completeness. It's his truth that brings wholeness. And can I tell you right now as we close, when it comes down to it, this truth that's here, this truth, these wheels, if you will, those wheels will stick even if the pavement's wet truths in this word will stick even if the road is rough. These right here, they will stick. The words in here will stick even if you're a long way from the finish line. The truths in here will get you there. They'll get you there. Those wheels will get you there. I guarantee it. My emotions won't. My opinions won't. The opinions of my friends won't. The word of God will. And so I challenge us today to do the word Walk in his truth. Speak out of that truth. The way you handle your marriage, let it be based in the truth. The way you handle your finances, your future, the conflicts you go through, whatever it might be, let it be based in this truth. And that word that was over Naaman, where he came up whole, he came up clean, he came up complete, you will too. Amen? We sang during worship, Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. We want to hear your voice. The word. And I want that for our body. For his truth. That's something we hang on. Something that we just can't shake. Hang on. We hold fast to it. We're challenged to live it because it's difficult. Next week we'll talk about power. Let's close our eyes just for a moment. Jesus, I'm going to raise my hand because there's some things I'm struggling with. If there's some things when it comes to God's word that's challenging you and you're having a hard time with it, 
Would you join me and raise your hand to the Lord just in submission to him? I'm going to raise both hands because there's some things I'm a mess in. Jesus, would you help us to be those that are not hearers but doers of your word? We recognize this is the truth. Everything else is a lie. We recognize there's power in your word. There's a promise in your word. And we embrace it fully in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.